Welcome to Five to Thrive, five strategies to equip and empower educators, parents, and students to thrive. And here are your hosts, Dr. Rhoda and Professor Marty. Welcome back. If you're a teacher, have you ever had a student come back and ask you if they could have some extra credit or redo their work because they received a 98 and they really wanted that 100. Uh, I'm sure all of us to some degree have this issue of perfectionism. And in fact, I mean, educators often struggle with it. Do I have to correct every single assignment? Is that having fidelity to my students? Well, maybe yes, maybe no. I guess it all depends. So today's episode is all about perfection. And Dr. Rhoda has some keen insights on what's the value by striving to be a perfectionist. Yeah, thanks, Professor Marty. This came around to my attention because for quite some time now, I've been dealing with college students who are struggling with perfectionism and they can't ever do good enough. They're always disappointed. They're always frustrated, oftentimes connected to procrastination. So I just wanted to dig into this for me to understand it a little bit better. I mean, I think perfectionism is the spectrum, right? There's, it's a range. And all of us are on there somewhere. Some of us, it's a bigger issue for than others. Some are perfectionists in certain areas of their life and not in others. I'm going to be talking in terms here, generally speaking, what we're talking about today. There are always exceptions to all these types of things, but just generally speaking, the definition of perfectionism is refusal to accept any standard short of perfect. Think about that for a moment. Really? That's what we're striving for? That's what we're spending so much time and energy trying to attain perfection when we just know it's not possible. And many of us wear the label perfectionist very proudly. You know, it's a, it's a badge of honor to be a perfectionist. Yet at what cost? What price are we paying to attempt to attain something that's unattainable? And I really do believe the more I work with students, the more I work with teachers, I do a lot of professional development with one-on-one -on -one with teachers and with faculties. And I just... I become more and more convinced that perfectionism is a fast track to being disappointed, discontent, and unhappy. And so I just want us to take a few moments and just be aware. Just check where we're at. And, and I would have to agree with that. You know, as, as you were speaking in, in related school, college students, teachers, I thought uh, of, of some of my weaknesses at home. If I have a project, I always want it to be perfectly done. And the reality is, if you own a house, you slowly realize there is always something to be done. And really, if if I'm a high-end perfectionist, I wouldn't even be here right now because I would still be trying to figure out electrical work or, or whatever it would be. So it's it's a really good point. It really takes a tremendous amount of energy too. Yeah, and I'm thinking about some home improvement projects I've been involved with as well and where everything that's not, sometimes like I don't want to do my own, like, you know, laying the new flooring in the bathroom and I don't want to do it myself because I'll know every single mistake because I do it and I mm -hmm. notice it and every single mistake drives me nuts. Mm -hmm. And yet people who come in there don't even notice they that. They are not looking, right? absolutely. And so that's the downside of this is you sit there being, torn up about it, chewed up, and other people don't even realize. They're not even aware. They thought you did just a fine job, whether it's laying new flooring in your bathroom mm -hmm. or giving feedback to students, right? We're, when, we, when we are focused on perfectionism, we become so critical of ourselves, and that's the real danger in this. We beat ourselves up. The language we use when we talk to ourselves is becomes very negative, 
if we're looking for perfection. And we're not going to reach perfection, which means we're beating ourselves up often over stuff that's just, it's improbable. It's not going to happen. So just want us to step back, take a deep breath, relax, and let's just see how we're doing in this area. Let's just raise an awareness and some other possible ways to think about this. So I think, and research suggests that there's a a seeking of acceptance with with perfectionism. There's this underlying thought that if we can be good enough, if we can do a good enough job, people will be impressed, people will appreciate us. And I want us to just step back and, and, and assure you, I want you to know that you are accepted, you are appreciated, you are valued simply because of who you are. You know that saying, our friends are those people who, who really know us well and they like us anyway? Mm-hmm. They like us because of our flaws. That's who makes us, that's what makes us unique. That's what makes us interesting. You're enough. You're exactly the way you're supposed to be, flaws and all. And you make our life richer. My friends, my family, they make my life richer despite all of those character things that are Mm -hmm. annoying to them. So nobody's perfect. None of us are. And that's part of the human experience. So being a perfectionist means that life's a constant report card. We're constantly measuring our accomplishments our looks, our appearances, our efforts. And we're always trying to see if we measure up. And I think on that note, high-end perfectionists often are so focused on the task at hand that they miss teachable moments. Mm -hmm. And they miss opportunities, valuable opportunities, with other things that are happening around them that would actually enhance them. Excellent point. And it does often lead to depression, and it's often associated with a lot of different eating disorders. Again, it can just be this fast track. So it's kind of a paradox because if mm-hmm. we're trying to be perfect, instead of focusing on success, we often end up focusing on doing everything we can to avoid failure, which puts us in a negative mindset that's based in fear, which is not what good quality work comes out of. It doesn't lead to a growth mindset. A growth mindset means we're willing to try new things we're willing to fail. We know it's not going to be perfect. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. And when if we're really stuck in trying to be perfect all the time, we don't want to try new things because we don't want to mess up. Yeah, we just had a conversation yesterday, actually, in middle school methods. And these undergrad students were arguing, yeah, should we have students fail? Shouldn't we to what degree? Should it be strategic? Should it just yeah. happen? And, and it, the overall consensus, when you ask them how they learn... Oftentimes, they really learn some life lessons from failing. So again, there's so many variables, but uh, always getting it right does have uh, some, some, some negatives as well. Yep. And when it comes to love and relationships, the thought of love and being loved, sometimes it can end up actually being painful because we feel we're not good enough to be loved, right? And so we just really want to be aware of this. So uh, perfection is at the root of so much procrastination. People think I can't do it well enough, so I just won't begin. So just a reminder, there's a difference between striving for excellence, mm-hmm. being faithful, doing our best work, and demanding perfection. And so that's what we're talking. I'm not discouraging you from being faithful and trying hard and being diligent and giving good, solid work. But don't be so disappointed when things don't go absolutely perfect, exactly as you'd hoped. And we are not giving you a ticket to say, oh, well, it, it didn't turn out. Uh, because I wanted it to be perfect. Right. Uh, yeah. And we want to be aware of, as, as, as teachers and as parents, what are we modeling for our children? There's some pretty significant research out there that suggests that perfectionism is often handed down from parents to children. I'm going to share a little bit about that in a few moments here. So we want to be aware for that reason, too. So let's raise our awareness. Uh, we all, As I said, we all have tendencies 
to varying degrees. We're all on that spectrum somewhere, but being aware of how we're doing in this area is the first positive step. So is this you? I, there was an article in Psychology Today written by Dr. Elizabeth Lombardo, and she had nine signs to look for. So we'll just take a few moments and look at what those signs are. And you can just kind of give your own self your little, how am I doing on this? A little assessment for you. So number one, if you think in all or nothing terms, so something is either right or wrong, good or bad, perfect or a disaster, you tend to think in one extreme or the other rather than seeing the characteristics of people and situations existing along a continuum. For example, you tend to think she is mean instead of, you know what, sometimes she can be pretty mean. Mm -hmm. I think it's really a powerful statement because oftentimes uh, a lot of people have a tendency when you say a person's name to just go all positive. Yep. Or all negative, and, and people are so complex. There, there's always both. Yeah. I mean, there is always both, and, and yet I, I think it's part of the way we we actually teach students always look for the right answer. There's one answer, and and we know that oftentimes is not the case. Yeah, one of my mentors used to always tell me, Rhoda, nobody's good as you think they are, nobody's as bad as you think they are. We're all somewhere in the middle. That was Joel Mischke. So. Okay. Number two, uh, you think and then act in extremes. Have you ever acted on a sentiment like this more than once? I had one cookie and I messed up my diet, so I might as well eat all of them. Okay, so that's another indicator out of our nine here. Number three is you can't trust others to do a task correctly, so you rarely delegate. Others may see you as a micromanager, a control freak, but you see your actions as just wanting to get the job done right. So, And, and if you're an administrator, take the time to reflect on that. Do you value distributive leadership? Or are you just really willing, unwilling, to give those keys of leadership to others to actually move the entire school forward? You know, and this, we've talked about lawnmower parenting in the past, too. You know, do you let the kids clean up their own mess and put the stuff back, even though they don't put it back quite the way you would? But in doing that, they're learning their own lessons. They're learning how to do things. So there again, it's something that from all the different angles of life, whether we're a parent, a teacher, an administrator, a friend a colleague, um, where am I at on this continuum, and just awareness. Number four, you have demanding standards for yourself and others. You believe in always giving your best, and you expect others to do the same, and you are scared to death of looking like a failure. Number five, you have trouble completing a project because you think there's always something more you can do to make it better. You obsess about sharing your book, your project, your meal, your invitation, your business card, your website, your article, because you want to make sure your work is the very best it can be before revealing it to others. Number six, you use the word should a lot. I should do this and I should do that. Maybe common phrases, both out loud and inside your head. You have certain rules you believe that you and others should follow. And when those rules aren't followed, you are not pleased. Number seven, your self-confidence depends on what you accomplish and how others react to you. You strive for excellence and need validation from others to feel good about your accomplishments. What's more, once you have achieved a goal, you quickly move on to the next one. Number that, eight. Oh. That, that one just really resonates. Yeah. Uh, because I, I can think of a handful of people yeah. right now, and you say, wow, it is a self-confidence issue. There, there's more to this than just those outward reactions. Number eight, you tend to fixate on something that you messed up. You may have done something right, but you still focus instead on the one mistake you made, the flooring project I was talking about, right? Number nine, you procrastinate or avoid situations where you think you might not excel. It may seem counterintuitive, but many people who procrastinate or avoid doing something are actually perfectionists. They're afraid they will fail. Their rationale is, I might not be able to do it perfectly, so why bother at all? 
I talk to a lot of students about that one. So those are just nine different indicators uh, that just kind of help you assess and measure where you're at, how you're doing. Uh, again, this isn't, if you're a perfectionist, you're sitting there beating yourself up over this and being very, very critical. <laughs> you're, that you're is not our point. <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to this podcast yeah. going, wait a second. Wait, no, 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 no. Our point is just to help us be, we all have our blind spots. So, so we all how, have our weaknesses. So, so how prevalent is this? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, we talk about it. I, I think it's a hot topic, but... but It's really prevalent. Uh, it's actually, some say, an epidemic. Um, in one study of high schoolers, three out of 10 high school kids exhibit unhealthy perfectionist tendencies. So that's almost a third. And multiple studies indicate that perfectionism is, has a negative impact on our, our physical health, on our emotional health, and it's connected to higher rates of suicide. Uh, it absolutely is tied to anxiety and, you know, an anxiousness that we get, a worry that we get with this. So we need to be aware of it. And just what are some little things we can do, you know, to kind of temper that, to step back a little bit and realize that not everything's going to be perfect. So although we like to think that perfectionism drives achievement, it actually makes it difficult to sustain success. You know, you've heard the story of the artist who just, they're tortured because they can't achieve the results they want. They want perfection. And they're doing excellent work. Other people are appreciating their work, but they're tortured because they just can't get it right. Life's too short. You don't need to torture yourself. Mm -hmm. And so the key to this, in my experience, is the term good enough. I'm going to share a little personal anecdote here. Um, when I was nearing the end of my dissertation, and basically what most of grad school really is, is three to four years all aimed at research and learning and understanding. So at the end, you can write a really large paper. That's the first of its kind. It's called a dissertation. And I was nearing the end of my writing and I just couldn't put it down. I was constantly trying to make it better, stronger, add new insights, offer new suggestions, future research that could be done. Finally, a good friend and mentor told me, Rhoda, you are always going to be researching and writing and looking for new insights. That's just who you are. What you need to do is get this project done in order to be able to continue to do that. Your dissertation is never going to be perfect, no matter how much time you spend on it, but it will be good enough. And in this life, good enough is good enough. And I really carry that advice with me. I tucked it away in my heart. I tell it to students. I tell it to myself all the time. Good enough is good enough. We want to be faithful. We want to do our best work. But in this imperfect world, it will never be perfect. Be faithful, do your best, and that truly is good enough. There's a new book out uh, entitled Perfectionism. And one of the authors, Hewitt, um, he, uh, he had some interesting information in there. He says that he can reliably and meaningfully assess perfectionism in kids as young as seven years old. Uh, he suggests that perfectionist, perfectionist tendencies come from a child's attachment style. Uh, which is basically how you learn to interact with other people as you're a child and interact with your, your primary caregiver. And here's what he says. He says, think about the child as a learning machine. A three-year-old can learn a second language, no problem whatsoever. They learn everything about everything. Early on, before they can speak and before lots of episodic memories take hold, children are learning if being too close or wandering too far away makes their mother anxious. Whether people are there to help them with things and soothe them when they're upset, or rather people are dangerous and powerful and intimidating. For some of these kids, they'll develop a sense that they're not worthy and that there's some flaw or defect or otherwise something wrong with them, according to this author Hewitt. And he says, an assumption starts taking foot and we start thinking that if I'm perfect, I won't be rejected or ridiculed or abused. I'll be loved and I'll be accepted. It's an unconscious negotiation they make with the world. And they say, if I'm perfect, all this good stuff will happen and all of my needs will be met. 
And they're frequently, relationships that they have with parents or siblings or peers, they think that if they're perfect, those relationships will become easier. Hewitt says that his clients often say that they've needed to be perfect for as long as they can remember and that they were never good enough. So they were always striving. And he says, perfectionism develops as a way to cope with that defective sense of self and a sense of not fitting in with others, not fitting in with the world, not having your own place in the world, according to this author, uh, Hewitt. And, and so as, as, as you're listening to this, you can see why uh, if an individual is a perfectionist, they really struggle. It's deeply rooted. Yeah, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I don't know if I buy into this completely. I know there are exceptions because, you know, we can learn a lot from nature and nurture, mm-hmm. right? You'll have siblings in the same family raised in a very similar fashion, and one will be a perfectionist and one will not be. Um, but it does give us some food for thought. Teachers, parents, as we're working with young children, what message are we sending them? Are we sending them the message that everything has to be perfect? You know, when when they spill the milk, is it, you know, we're really harsh and critical that they, or is it, you know what? this happens here. Let's grab a rag. Help me clean this up. Kids need kid-sized mistakes. They're going to mess up. We can't expect them to be perfect. And we're setting them up for failure if, if we are expecting them to be perfect. Now, Professor Marty and I are both followers of Jesus. So as that, we know that we fall short every day and that we're never going to perfectly meet God's demands. But that's why we need and have a savior. He was perfect. And now God sees us as perfect. So in God's eyes, we're not good enough. In God's eyes, we are perfect. Mm -hmm. And from that space and that place of gratitude, we can go out and faithfully put forth our best effort to serve others and celebrate what Jesus has done for us. And and in that context, if you know you are perfect in God's sight, Mm -hmm. that alleviates or should alleviate all these burdens, all this anxiety, all this lack of how does this all work. And it just makes you also a, a much more effective teacher. The really hard stuff has been taken care of. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to live our life in fear and make decisions out of fear. We are loved. We can show love. We can have fun and celebrate in this wonderful gift that we have. We're considered perfect. And so now go out and celebrate. We're going to fall short. Things are not going to go as planned sometimes. We will mess up. So will others. We're not going to attain perfection, but we do our best. We faithfully bring our gifts into play each day, and we trust that good enough truly is good enough. Our goal in Five to Thrive is to help and equip young people to to reach their full God-given potential. So here are five takeaways to contemplate on the episode of Perfection. Number one, awareness that perfection on this side of heaven is simply not attainable. Number two, Know that there is a difference between striving for excellence and demanding perfection. Number three, modeling how you act, how you react, how you deal with perfection speaks volumes uh, to the students entrusted to you or your kids at home. You know, often Dr. Rhoda says, more is caught than taught. Certainly take that to heart. And and number four, certainly there are strands of perfectionism that are positive. Uh, At the same time, anything that is overdone has negative consequences. And we know certainly that that perfectionism with an unrealistic uh, approach creates anxiety, uh, emotional stress, uh, physical stress, uh, and, and, and the list can go on and on and on. And finally, number five, this this week, remember, good enough is good enough.
Once again, would just like to let you know uh, our show notes subscribers to the newsletter have been increasing each week. And just an encouragement, if you are interested, just click and get on the tab, first name, last name, and email, and uh, keep bringing the feedback. Thanks for taking the time to learn with us. Let us know how you're doing. If you have questions, challenges, or successes you want to share, please let us know through the comment section of our website. May your week be blessed.